0: Welcome to this week's episode of CTSNet's podcast, The Beat. I am your host, Dr. Brian Mitzman, thoracic surgeon with the University of Utah Health System and director of robotic thoracic surgery at the Huntsman Cancer Institute in Salt Lake City. CTSNet Beat focuses on the latest research, news, and interviews from the world of cardiothoracic surgery. In addition, you can keep up with the latest cardiothoracic news by subscribing to the CTSNet Journal and News Scan. CTSNet is excited to endorse the upcoming ERAS Cardiac Virtual Conference on March 5th and 6th, featuring multidisciplinary experts from around the world discussing the latest in optimizing outcomes and cardiac surgery treatment innovations. Don't miss this unique experience with live debates and panel discussions, all broadcasting live from the Methodist Hospital DeBakey Heart and Vascular Center in Houston, Texas. More information can be found on the main CTSNet homepage. First up on this week's podcast, let's take a look at a recently submitted video to CTSnet. Doctors Alexander Krayev, John Gregory, and Sarah Counts talk us through a robotic diaphragm The unique aspect of this video is the use of the knot device, a single-use surgical instrument meant to replace manually tied surgical knots. Originally developed for valve surgery, it's found a niche in several other specialties. Using a titanium mushroom shaped fastener, the core knot allows for continued tension on the suture in difficult to access situations. The authors here utilize three robotic ports, two instrument arms and the camera, along with a 10 to 12 millimeter assistant port to allow access with the core knot device. At one minute and twenty five seconds you can see a picture of their port placement. A common question I get asked is for port placement for non pulmonary cases. This is fairly similar to how I do it. Place your uh, camera port anterior to the scapula and as high as you can go. Once you've insufflated and pushed that paralyzed diaphragm down you can place your two additional robotic arms, one anterior and one posterior. The exact position here doesn't really matter. Just give yourself 8-10 to 10 centimeters of space from the camera port and usually drop down one rib space. The assistant port can go wherever you have room, usually anterior. In this video, Dr. Kryev and colleagues use a needle driver in the dominant hand and fenestrated bipolar grasper in the other hand. They use 20 the on pledgets, taking the diaphragm from posterolateral to anteromedial. After the plication, the suture is externalized and the assistant uses the Coronat device for fixation. This is repeated numerous times at the surgeon's discretion until the plication is complete. The surgeons here give excellent advice for plication, including key points such as avoiding blind bites to avoid injuring abdominal contents, and managing your suture to avoid tangling. This is an excellent video with key points that any of us can take away to improve our placations. The major question, however, is whether the core knot is really necessary. I'm definitely in favor of having numerous tools in our skill set for every procedure, and the core knot is a well-known, validated device for secure suturing in tough situations. There is a modest cost associated, however, and personally, I enjoy the opportunity to tie knots myself. My current technique is to start the plication with a V-lock suture, allowing for a tight, controlled plication that won't loosen. I then reinforce this with a second layer of interrupted Ethibon mattress sutures on pledgets. As there is likely quite a bit of variability in plication technique throughout our community, I'd be interested to hear what everyone's doing. Reach out and let us know. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one other video submission recently posted at CTSnet. That's wristed instruments in a middle lobectomy performed by my friend and CTSNet colleague, Joel Dunning. Joel has become a master of robotic alternatives, and I always look forward to his videos to see what other technologies available to us. In this case, Mr. Dunning utilizes the Art Essential Wristed Maryland and Fenestrated Bipolar Forcep, and initially shows off the beautiful fissure he was gifted for this operation. While there's some oozing initially, it isn't serious and Mr. Dunning gets right at it. As he goes on, there are some obvious benefits to these instruments over a robotic approach. He notes the ability to change instruments himself, pass in his own sponges, and control everything at the table he would in a standard VATS case. Similar to robotic instruments, these wristed VATS instruments are also eight millimeters in diameter, and CO2 is utilized for this case. I have to say, Joel shows a mastery of these instruments, and I'm quite impressed by the angulation and dexterity the wristed instruments provide over standard VATS instruments. Let's forward to the fun part. Eight minutes and 25 seconds. A tiny branch of the pulmonary artery is avulsed and whoosh, bleeding. In a cool and collected manner that only a British surgeon has, Mr. Dunning quickly gets control. Using a touch of seal, which is a fibrin sealant patch, the bleeding stops after about 20 minutes of pressure. This is a key point I make when proctoring robotics. If you get into bleeding, stay calm, get control, and hold pressure. Even most artery bleeds will stop if you apply pressure. Set the clock for at least 10 minutes and don't look. The bleeding will usually either stop entirely or stop enough where you can throw a quick stitch for complete control. Bleeding does not necessitate immediate conversion, especially if you have the robot or rigid instruments at your disposal. Even if you don't watch this whole video, check out the last minute from 14 minutes and 30 seconds on and see the wide OR view of Mr. Dunning and his fancy arms in action. Do you have an in- interesting case you'd like to share with the CTS Net community? Submit to us through the submission portal on the ctsnet.org homepage. Remember, no protected health info, and you must be the copyright holder of all portions of your submission unless you've obtained permission to publish the items. We're looking forward to seeing your expert techniques and interesting cases. Enough with videos. Let's talk some recent research. In press with the Annals of Thoracic Surgery is a fantastic quality improvement study by doctors Porter and Phillips up north at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, titled, Reducing Unnecessary Chest X-Ray Films After Thoracic Surgery, a quality improvement initiative. The premise is simple. Doctors order too many post-operative chest x-rays on the thoracic surgery patients without any clinical rationale. How do we decrease this with team buy-in and what is the financial impact on the hospital? The authors utilized a three-cycle plan, do, study, act, PDSA initiative to reduce the routine chest x-rays any chest x-ray on a thoracic surgery patient, ordered in an order set, or not during a clinical workup. Essentially, these are the routine PACU chest x-rays and daily routine x-rays. In the vast majority of hospitals in North America, after a thoracic operation, the patient receives a post-operative x-ray followed by daily routine chest x-rays until discharge, regardless of the patient's clinical status. It's surgical dogma that has been ingrained into surgical services for decades. It's also completely unnecessary and expensive. Don't even get me started on daily routine labs. That will be a podcast for another day. This study resonated with me as I was trained to always have a reason for every x ray or lab draw. Mindless post operative order sets are not acceptable. Cycle one focused on educational interventions literature reviews, institutional statistics, daily discussions during rounding. Cycle two included workflow changes in the electronic medical record. The postoperative order set was modified to unselect any routine chest x-ray. Forcing a provider to opt in for an x-ray is a simple but effective maneuver. Finally, cycle three was audited and feedback. A monthly status report was created showing chest x-ray utilization statistics, cost savings, and healthcare quality. So what did Dr. Phillips and his team accomplish? They found out that 99% of their pre-intervention patients had a PACU chest x-ray and this decreased to 89%, 68%, and finally 57% with each intervention cycle. For other chest x-rays, the chest x-ray per patient per day was 1.6 pre-intervention and then 1.4 to 1.3 to one with the three interventions. Quality of care and patient safety did not change throughout the cycles. Cost savings were impressive. From pre-intervention to intervention cycle three, the team found a cost saving of $251 per patient and $73,496 per year, just from unnecessary chest x-rays. Looking to save money in your institution and trim costs? Dr. Phillips and his team show that you can save big by starting simple. Let's talk about something a little different this week, the job market. The COVID-19 pandemic has significantly affected the physician job market for graduating fellows and junior faculty. The CTSNet Job Board remains an excellent resource for fellows looking for their first attending position, or those already in practice looking to make a change. Let's take a look together and check out some of the recent postings. In the general thoracic realm, the North Shore University Health System based in the suburbs of Northern Chicago is looking for an additional surgeon to join their staff. Affiliated with the University of Chicago, opportunities for academic appointment are available. The North Shore University System is a five hospital health system with a large thoracic oncology practice. While I try to remain unbiased with these postings, as a University of Chicago alum, I spent part of my training up at North Shore. I can attest to the fact that this is a great opportunity for someone who wants a strong clinical practice and may have academic and research aspirations as well. Check it out on the job portal. Powerhouse of Thoracic Surgery, the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center is looking to expand their team under Dr. Lukatic. They're looking for an early to mid-career general thoracic surgeon for UPMC Hammett, a 423-bed hospital in Erie, Pennsylvania. Halfway between Cleveland and Buffalo and sitting on the southern shore of Lake Erie, this is a beautiful part of Pennsylvania with excellent outdoor recreation. Along with this opportunity, UPMC is always considering physicians to join their mature practices with senior mentors as well and have numerous super fellowship opportunities available in robotics, transplantation, and foregut surgery. Dr. Lukatic's contact information can be found on the CTSnet portal. Lastly, let's talk about some cardiac positions. Several unique cardiac surgery opportunities have popped up on the portal in the last week. Emory Healthcare is looking for a cardiothoracic surgeon to join their team to be based at St. Francis Hospital in Columbus, Georgia. Joining an experienced senior mentor, this could be an excellent opportunity for either someone seeking additional mentorship or a senior surgeon looking for a trusted partner. Looking for a private practice position? Carolina's East Health System in beautiful waterfront New Bern, North Carolina is looking for a surgeon to join their team of three cardiothoracic surgeons. Their senior surgeon is planning retirement in 2022, so this unique opportunity can provide a period of direct mentorship followed by rapid growth. Touch up that CV and jump onto the CTSNet job portal at jobs.ctsnet.org for more details on these positions and many others. Thank you for listening to this week's Beat. If you have an idea for a future episode or would like to come on and chat about recent events in the cardiothoracic community, please get in touch with us at ctsnet.org. I can personally be found on Twitter using the handle at Brian Mitzman. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Keep an eye out for Jans, the CTSNet Journal and News Scan, where we pick the highest impact stories for you. From myself and the rest of the CTS Net team, thank you for spending time with us and see you next week.